Hello and welcome to episode two of Too Much Time on Our Hands, the podcast that would go to Red Alert, but it wouldn't mean changing the bowl. Uh, tonight I am back with Sean. Hello. And I'm back with Tom. Hello. And we are going to go for a much more formal affair this time. It's not going to be an hour of talking about Star Wars, um, <laughs> which was meant to be talking about The Force Awakens, which was 45 minutes of talking about the prequels, mm. <laughs> um, which, you know, I'm sure everyone loved, both of you. Thank you for listening. Um <laughs> You know That's who you mind. are, and we know who you are, so um, thank you. Okay, so new format this time. Um, what we're going to do is, we've got three topics, uh, and we basically, on the fly, decided we're going to split it in three. Um, three different podcasts. Uh, so this is part one, which we'll get into in a minute. Part two will be released a few days later, and then part three will be released a couple of days after that, uh, at which point we'll be recording, hopefully, a new podcast. So... We're going to get cracking with the first topic, which is emotional moments in video games. So this came from, <clears throat> I had a week off recently, and I finally sat down and played some computer games, or video games, uh, as young people call them, and Americans. Uh, and I got into a game called Life is Strange on the recommendation of uh, one of our friends, Dion, and oh, okay. um, Tom here as well. Hmm. Um, and I start, and, and my girlfriend, Sarah, actually, I should mention that as well. She was like, you've got to play this, so... So I sat down at nine o'clock in the morning and by nine o'clock in the evening, I'd finished it. I hadn't really moved off the sofa. All I knew was I was an emotional wreck. So I thought it would be quite interesting if we go through our most emotional moments in video games. Not necessarily sad, it doesn't have to be sad. can be a variety of things, can be funny, can be uh, horrifying uh, and can just be something that relates to something that we were going through at the particular time that really kind of hit home when we were mm. playing them. So, should we go around and just go through them? Well, then? tell me about uh, Life is Strange. I'm curious, because I've, I've heard the name a lot, but I don't <clears> actually know anything about it. So, I think you should play it, for okay. starters. Okay. I think everyone should play it. I, I'm, it's, I described someone at work as uh, Braid meets Dawson's Creek meets Walking Dead uh, or any Telltale's game. <laughs> um, and it is really, really good. If you can get used to the fact that... Uh, Everyone in it's kind of irritating. They're kind of hipstery, like typical hipstery girls. Um, but then that becomes part of the charm for it, really. Yeah, and if you can make your peace with the fact that all the characters in it seem to sort of already be aware of what the worst possible choice they could make at any given moment is, and then they make it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, okay. it's yeah. the typical sort of indie... It's kind of got that indie movie feel, hasn't it? Yes. I, I remember feeling like I was watching um, uh, Juno. Yeah. Quite a bit, you know, people being quirky for quirky's sake. But, break through that, mm -hmm. and, I mean, <clears throat> for me, it became one of those beautifully flawed little gems of a game that I yeah. just, I literally had no idea it was coming. And, you know, talking about emotional moments, I mean, Dan and I were actually talking on the car on the way here, whether or not we should actually go into it, because Spoilers. if we started yeah. talking about it, like, yeah. you, you want to play it, it would it would rob you of probably one of the most emotional moments in a game that we've ever done. Needless to say, this doesn't make for a podcast gold. <laughs> we can't, it's very emotional. We can't yeah, tell you it's why. really emotional. So uh, yeah, I'm just going to put my pipe in and just sit back now. So, <laughs> but what we, we can say is that it is the whole game's an emotional roller coaster, and there's one particular moment in it. And I think if you've already played it, then this becomes a lot easier. It, 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 one moment that hits you like a truck, pretty much. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to. I'm, oh. trying to <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm trying to sort of think of it like it in the best way. It's for for the people who've played it. It's that moment where you have to let him leave. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gut wrenching. Oh. Gut wrenching. Like so, this is like a um, a Telltale game. It's say. similar, but it's not. It's not made by them. Yeah. So the, the mechanic is that you can rewind time. Ah. Okay. So it starts off. You're in an art class and. Mm you get the answer to a question wrong and mm -hmm. everyone else is laughing at you or whatever. And you leave and you go into a bathroom uh, and you see, and you're taking a photo of a butterfly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you get, get, get past <laughs> this. In the indie film. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. 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 With, with the breathy voiceover. Yes. It was the most beautiful <laughs> butterfly I'd ever seen. And <laughs> the shins playing in the background. <laughs> <Yeah>. No joke. <laughs> Called it. This bright, bright Eyes is on the soundtrack. So... Um, it's um, and you're taking it with with a um a Polaroid camera as well. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> once you get through that, um, you you, you the, the door swings open and a girl walks in and a guy walks in and he holds her up against the wall, holds a gun to her, and 
there's a kerfuffle and he kills her. But the next thing you know, you wake up, you're back in the art class uh, and you've rewound time. Okay. So you get you can get the question right this time uh, and you can stop the guy from killing the girl. Okay. Um, which changes everything. Hmm. Now, I, I was talking to someone about this the other day and they, they said the biggest issue with it was is if you don't think you've made the right decision, you just keep rewinding. <laughs> so you re- keep rewinding time going, no, 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 I'll do this this time. Ah, so I change your mind, I'll do this this time. So you I'll have the mind choice to, mm-hmm. to keep rewinding. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like uh, scripted events that you have to then rewind and then you... But they're scripted events and you have a choice in, say, say it's I'm going to let, I'm going to uh, talk to this girl mm. or I'm going to interfere in this situation or I'm just going to watch it from afar. Okay. You do one thing. And it doesn't tell you whether you've made the right decision or not. What it will do is you go, right, this will affect the story in the long run. It's like and, Telltale. And that, then it does that sort of Telltale yeah. thing at the yeah. end of the episode yeah. where it says, you and 47% of people decided to oh, flush the toilet after yeah. talking <laughs> about poo. Yeah. <laughs> 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 See, <laughs> Meaning that there was 53% double Telltale's is really running out of ideas. But... It sounds uh, thematically similar to an anime I watched called uh, The Girl Who Leapt Through Time, which is a similar ah. thing where this girl finds that she has the ability to kind of jump back and change things. And it's really interesting. Yeah, that's... It's an emotional film as well. So. so it doesn't tell you... It just says that this will affect something that happens in the future. Mm. Like, whatever you do, and you're like, I'm not sure I've made the right decision. Mm. And there were things... It, it, it's, it says a lot about the game that I wasn't trying to do the right thing all the time. I was trying to... I was so engrossed in the game okay. that I was trying to do what I I thought was the right thing rather mm. than what the game thought was the right thing to do. Yeah, uh, and as a result, there's one thing that I have happened in my game, and I'm going to say the name Kate Tom. Okay, um, that was particularly disastrous. That ha- hasn't happened in some other people's games. Ah, yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, at the top of the building. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of gives it away, but. I yeah uh, that that happened in my game and it didn't happen in a lot of other people's games. It's it's well worth yeah. watching. It's one it's one of those ones that <laughs> watching you, is you just na- yeah you nailed the kind of reason why I don't play those kind of games because mm. you've just <laughs> the keyword was there was it's well worth watching. Well, I said I said it knowing <laughs> forward what I'm yeah. saying yeah, yeah, yeah. it is it's a Telltale style game and yeah. you do you you are and, and I think to be honest it's probably the failing of those sort of games is that while well no actually to be honest. Those games never set out to do anything other than present yeah. you with a good story. They're interactive stories, which aren't is they? why the Walking Dead stuff is so brilliant. Is mm. that actually the times when you're shooting something in the mm. Walking Dead film? Sorry, the Walking Dead uh, Telltale series. You know, it's just on a rails. Mm. It just bang, 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 bang. Done, done. My little bit of interactive stuff. I'm actually here for the cutscene. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's very much the same thing. But yeah, I think in terms of emotionally powerful games, it had. It had probably one of the best stories I've played in a long time. Yeah, I mean, you you are well aware that at the end, bar one decision, it's all it's all going to play out regardless of what you do. You're always going to get to the end. Mm. Is is it got uh, like branching paths with the different endings? Things? Yes. Or, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> yes. So it doesn't yeah. matter what you do then. And is there a, like a right path? Is there like no? No, no that's so the beauty of it. Okay. Yeah, it's a well, it's typical telltale. There's no right path to go through the story as it is. And there's a decision at the end that there's no right answer. No. And you'll feel bad regardless of what you do. But it's it's fantastic. Yeah, there's one moment, though, as, as Tom says, that I think it's episode three, isn't it? Or was it episode yeah. four? Uh, uh, I, I can't remember. remember. There's five episodes. Yeah, yeah. I think it's episode three. Where yeah. you've, you discover the ability that you can look at a photo and go back to that moment in time. Now something disastrous has happened to your best friend in the game, and it's affected her her path completely of of what she's gone on to do. She's become a bit rebellious and a, a stereotypical kind of emo punky teen, basically. Mm. Um, we I think we're dangerously we're, we're getting to that close, bit, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. Where we're actually kind of we're talking about it so fondly, and Sean's sitting there going, "I haven't played this," yeah. and we're sort of beginning to go, "Well, I think I can say this. I can get away with this." <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. To be honest, my uh, back catalogue of games is so large. The chances of me actually getting around to play this yeah. is slim to none, honestly. Should we go into it then? Do you want to? Well, you could do it like yeah. a spoiler warning. I don't okay, care. right. If you're, so, even, if you're worried about me, then don't worry okay, about so me. Okay, so massive, gonna, massive spoiler warning. So I'm going to set a timer for about two minutes. Or should we get more than that? 
give give it two or three minutes. Two or three minutes. This is this is yeah. spoiler section. Okay. So we're gonna we're gonna spoil Life is Strange for three minutes. Have you played it? Yeah. Skip forward three minutes. Skip forward three minutes. Starting now. So what happens is you discover you can travel back in time by looking at a photo to that particular moment. Uh, and your friend's dad dies in a car crash. And so you find the photo of the day that that happens. Mm-hmm. You travel back in time. Eventually, you throw his car keys out the window. So he has to get a bus and he lives. So everything's happy. And then it changes all the photos. And it goes. you go back to the, the future. It's a changed future. Uh, you knock on the door. You open the door. And there's your best friend sitting in a wheelchair. Because she, she, yeah, she herself has got in a car crash later on in life. So, mm-hmm. you go through that episode with her basically living... A living hell, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's, in a hospital bed. Yeah. That's it. And Going, going from this yeah. punky, rebellious teen yeah. that yeah. you've fallen in love with because she's just a bit quirky and like a bit out of control for like two episodes, suddenly she's... She's not sad. She's not depressed. She's mm. not. She's not all the things mm. that are flawed in her that make her her. Mm. She's just a nice girl trapped inside her body, and <clears throat> you go through this whole episode. Eventually, she asks you to kill her. Yeah. To end her life, help her end her life, and doing that is gut wrenchingly yeah. awful enough. But the thing that you realise by the end of it is that actually, you know, her dad probably was meant to die yeah. for Chloe to be who she is. And it's, it's not a bad thing. You know, you get that thing where, where Max is like, it's not a bad thing to mm. be who you are and defined by what's happened to you. Mm. And they do it in such a way that they end up making you go back to that day when you decide to throw the keys out the window and actually make the, the conscious movement to make him go into the car okay. to get killed. You mm-hmm. actually have to go through the motions of doing everything so that he goes. And you're just, you so just you stand know, there and you feel hopeless. Well that he's you, die. Exactly. And that's the point is that, is that suddenly you, you sort of start thinking about it a bit too much and you kind of go, I, I have to now put myself in the position where time always played out like this. Mm. That, that Max, when she was 11 <laughs> years old... You, you caused You it. caused yeah, this. Yeah. You, you killed you're him. You're merely you, kind of resetting. Because of your meddling with time, mm. you were the one that decided eventually that he had to die. And it was simply by an action on your part that he died. Mm. And you have to let it happen. And you watch him disappear through the door and it just... I mean, I was in pieces. Yeah, yeah. But I guess it's... You know, it may not sound like the sort of the best thing and it might sound a bit hackneyed, but it's one of those moments because you, you've gotten to know these characters over the first couple of episodes because you now have to make the choice that dooms these people to be who they are. Mm. You've done it. It sounds yeah. interesting. The blood is on your hands. Yeah. And that's three that's minutes. three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> So then you put your clothes back on. Yeah. And um, yeah. <laughs> you clean up and uh, you head you off. You head off. It's great. You've had a great, yeah, it's a great time. Anyway, the point is play Life is Strange. Everyone should play that game. Um, sit down, play it for the, the, the six, seven hours you'll be playing for, unless you rewind quite as much as I do and you're quite as indecisive as I am. No, no, that's not right. No, 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 no. I'm, not, I'm doing that again. No, no, I'm going to do that again. I think, I, I think I will flush that poo. Yeah, I think, I think I'm going to flush the poo. Yeah. This will have consequences. No, I'm okay. I won't flush it. I won't flush it. So yes. So anyway, that's okay. that's what set me off on this. So let's go around and say more emotional moments in video games. Okay. So I have I have one that I thought was is like after that after Life yeah. is Strange talking about something like that. I thought I'd just put in playing Duke Nukem Forever. Oh man! In terms of the emotions that it raised in me, because it's so shit. <laughs> <laughs> I know I shouldn't laugh because it was. You know, yeah. it's just it's just awful. I mean, from start to finish, as as zero punctuation said, if I didn't know any better, it it felt rushed. Yeah, it was <laughs> for a, a film that rushed was delayed, out, and delayed, a rushed and delayed. out piece of garbage. And I got to say, yeah. I was one of those people who ordered the the like the big bonus edition with all the shit in it, mm. and it all that crap. I, I had it all on me. I stuck it all to me so that it was all on me, and I had all the. All the stuff, the dice, the cards, the little comic book open on my lap, and it still was a worthless pile of crap. And I wish I never spent 
all that money on that collector's edition because no one is going to want it. Uh, you know, apart from if it becomes like the ET cartridges that were in that landfill <laughs> in Mexico, you know, where people would pay through the nose to have a bit of a history like that. Uh, I mean, I, I, yeah, my emotions what for that. What was so bad about it? I'm not a massive Duke Nukem guy. What was so bad about it? Yeah. yeah okay, I, so Duke Nukem was... Okay, Duke Nukem 1 yeah. was a platformer. Duke Nukem 2 was, was a platform game. What? <laughs> they were both platform games were they? yeah and then Duke Nukem 3D was the one that brought it into like the first person shooter world really? yeah this is news to me so that was the one that was made by 3D Realms on the build engine which was like the, the, the engine that kind of tricks um, you into thinking everything's 3D where it's not really um, it's similar to like the Doom thing, pretty it? much but yeah. just a sort of a, a better version of Doom mm. if you like Hail um, to the king, baby. Hail to the king, baby. And people kind of fell in love with the sort of the, the character of Duke because he's a bit, you know, quips, he's a bit flippant yeah. and quips and yeah. all that sort of stuff. And it was, yeah, it was a hard, it was a tough shooter, actually. I remember it was a tough game to play. Um, but it was good and it had a lot of movie references and all that sort of stuff. And then there was stuff like Duke Nukem Manhattan Project, Duke yeah. Nukem Land of the Babes, Duke, you know, loads and loads of different sort of Duke Nukem games came out. But everyone was really kind of waiting for the next PC FPS, okay. uh, which was Duke Nukem Forever. Mm. And so, I mean, it was stuck in development hell for t- 12, 12, 15 years? I don't know, it took ages. Mm. And you've got to ask yourself what George Brassard was doing for all that time. I mean, what was the, what was the guy at the head of 3 Drums doing for, for that many times? Because they, they launched, uh, they had trailers, then they said they were going to uh, remake the whole thing in the Unreal Engine, and then they had some trailers, and then they said they're changing the engine again. And then uh, there were leaked shots from some designer's portfolio of like a pig cop and, and things like that. And then, I mean, eventually it just disappeared for a while. And then suddenly Gearbox announced that they'd taken over development and that they were literally going to rush it out in the next couple of years. And then sure enough, as soon as Gearbox, kind of, you know, who were quite a reputable developer at that point, kind of um, took over, there it was, it appears. And the point is that there's a moment in it for me that defines it all. It is the it, there's a bit where he comes out you, as Duke. You come out of one level and into the next one, and this guy comes up to you and says, "Ah, oh, your power armor's here, and your power armor looks exactly like the Master Chief from Halo." Mm-hmm. Um, and he goes, "Oh, I don't need no power armor or something like that. Power armor's for pussies." And you think, "Well, yeah, fair enough." But considering this game was released, you know, like I don't know, probably eight or nine years after Halo was made (laughs) and (laughs) borrows so much from it taking the piss out of it now makes you look really really shit by comparison and that was what summed it up for me it was just like out of day out of touch bullshit bollocks bad gameplay the graphics were terrible the loading times were insultingly long Mm. even on like you know a top end PC you would sit around just waiting for ages the multiplayer was was facile and and really badly balanced. It was just, it was just a mess. It was an absolute mess. Mm. And, I, and that, that is why I was emotional because I was a big fan of Junior Nukem. I really liked it. I thought it was quite. It was like a first-person shooter with its tongue firmly lodged in its cheek. But Junior Nukem Forever is just a cynical, horrible piece of nonsense that no one should give the time of day to. <laughs> and that's my emotion. See, that, that's the emotion coming through there. It's bitterness. It's a really bitter pill. I hated it. It's a similarity with um, Chinese democracy. The Guns N' Roses album that took, what was it, 15 years to, to make when Axl Rose was hiring a recording studio, every recording studio in LA because he was worried the paparazzi would turn up and then not turning up to any of them. Um, so <laughs> that's why it took so long. So the, the problem with that album is uh, all music, in one way or another, is affected by trends. Like whatever you're listening to is affected by it. So Axel Rose at one point was obviously listening to a lot of new metal. And then at one point he was obviously listening to a lot of um, probably like post-rock. And, and, and then at one point he was listening to, to to whatever it was that was going on in, in the, the mid-2000s. And it's just this hodgepodge of just nonsense that comes out as j- just too many influences and, and just a jigsaw that's been put together with all the wrong pieces mm. from a variety of... The difference between Chinese democracy and Duke Nukem Forever yeah. is that you know that you can just pick up the CD off the shelf, put it in, and mm. it's going to play. Yeah. Whereas with Duke Nukem Forever, if yes. you put the disc into Very your true. Xbox, you're going to sit there for the next half an hour waiting for the fucking level to load up. <laughs> 
you're not going to, you know, you're at least you're going to get. You, by the time you've loaded up Junior Forever, you'll have listened to Chinese Democracy <laughs> and put it back in its box and back on the shelf and had a shower, yeah. you know, and and washed it all off you. But uh, but you still then have to get through Junior Forever. It's a big lose lose. It was, yeah, it wasn't a very good game, was it? Can you imagine someone saying that, though? Oh, I've got big night plans. I've got Chinese Democracy and Junior Forever. Junior Forever. Can you imagine? <laughs> Two of the biggest disappointments. Someone who'd just, like, been cryogenically frozen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I, I was looking forward to these. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Did you ever uh, watch that TV uh, the show, the animated thing, Monkey Dust? Uh, no. Is it is it Monkey Dust? I think it is. The one with Ivan Dobsky, the meat safe murderer, who's, like, the, the guy. He always goes, um, Hello. I'm Ivan Dobsky, I'm the meat safe murderer, only I never done it. I had to say it so they'd take my penis out of the light bulb socket. He's like this guy that was convicted of a murder he didn't do yeah. in the 70s. And of course, time has effectively stood still for him in the 30 years or so he's been in yeah. prison. So he comes out of prison and he's always wearing like the same uh, played front uh, stretched uh, trousers suit yeah. and, and things and thinking that cola cubes are still like the height of, <laughs> you know, sort of, um, you know, very de rigueur and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, it's, I just, yeah, I, that's what I imagine. Yeah, if you've been cryogenically frozen and someone says, do you want to hear the latest Guns N' Roses album? <laughs> yeah. How <laughs> unhappy a person would you be? Oh, I really like these guys. Oh, I don't, I don't like these guys. <laughs> yeah. you, you could, you could, there would be a period of time where you could say, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to listen to Chinese Democracy, I'm going to play Duke Nukem Forever, and I'm going to work my way through the uh, Star Wars prequels. <laughs> All these are things are the things I've been looking forward to this, the most. This sounds like a night in a sadomasochism <laughs> dungeon, doesn't it? Like yeah. they put on Revenge of the Sith and you hear all these people going, No! Oh God, yes! <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't speak to him for a while. How was he found? With his head in the freezer, just <laughs> desperately trying to return. To... <laughs> um, oh dear. So, uh, Sean. Emotional moments in video games. <clears throat> yeah, it's a difficult one for me because um, I don't tend to play. I'm just so sensitive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's something to talk about on these. Uh, no, just, it's quite. It's the opposite, really, because the games I tend to play don't involve a lot of gameplay and not a lot of story. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, it's to come up with emotional things, I had like to go way, way back. So I, there's a, been a few over the years. Final Fantasy VII is an obvious one. You yeah. know, anyone who's played that game knows there's a certain point in that game. Well, I guess it's you don't have to. Well, I'll avoid someone... it actually because it's being remade now. So I suppose I'll avoid it just in case. But um, it's funny because the, the 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 theme that goes along with that character um, is so funny because when Final Fantasy Advent Children came out, the film that theme they've got a nice piano-y version of that theme at the end of the film, yeah. and she obviously she's not in the film. <laughs> and uh, but when I heard that theme, just that little. Uh, um, melody on the piano like a lump came to my throat and I just like was taken back like 10 years to play <laughs> on, the, on the PS1 and it's just like remarkable how something like that can just stay with you and just it really did have like a that was definitely one of the the kind of biggest emotional impacts but I'm going to go way back to one of the first times I think I ever felt an emotion in a game rather mm. than just enjoying it for being a game. We should we should point out at the moment that <laughs> yes. Sean Sean has in his hands Hold it up, Sean. a, a leather bound yeah. Zelda book <laughs> which he referred to as his Bible. <laughs> it is one of the the greatest things we've ever seen. It's it's unbelievable. So, yes, it's a the, weighty tome. It's the Hyrule Historia and it was a big um, collector's edition thing that came out uh, when Skyward Sword was released, I think. Mm. <clears throat> and it's pretty epic because it was the first time they came out with um, a legit official Zelda timeline. Yeah. So they actually pieced together all the games and showed you yeah. uh, where they all slot together. And it's just got loads of cool uh, concept art and stuff. But I've got it out just to, um, to go through. It. The first Zelda game I ever played was Link's Awakening on the Game Boy. And... Oh, this game came out in probably 1993 or something like that and I probably got it a couple of years later so probably mid 90s I was in primary school and I think there was a bunch of us actually playing it at the time there was a good few um, kids at my school all, all going through it all tackling sort of dungeons uh, simultaneously we'd like helping each other out uh, when you discover kind of like the secrets to one particular bit you kind of help your mates out and stuff by telling them how they got through it Anyway, the game is obviously not like super story heavy. I mean, it's a Zelda game, not a Final Fantasy game. Mm. But, you know, like any 
action RPG. It's got characters and you meet your characters along the way. The game starts, you're Link, you get shipwrecked um, and you wash up on a beach and this uh, girl comes and she finds you on the beach. She uh, kind of rescues you, takes her back to her house, back to her, uh, her dad's house and they put you up and they look after you and they kind of nurse you back to health and then so that you can then go off on your way and discover how to try and get off this island. Um, and like in these older game, you know, you start with a sword and three hearts and you gradually kind of build up and build up um, your abilities and items and you can tackle more of the world and, and explore more of the world. And there's, um, you know, a few villages dotted around and you meet like a, you know, the usual kind of assortment of, of Zelda um, characters. It's not set on Hyrule. Obviously, this one's set in um, a place called Cohelan, I think it is. Anyway, so you're going through, and as you're going through um, defeating these bosses, you start tackling dungeons and defeating bosses, and all these bosses keep alluding to something. They keep telling you, you know, you're making a terrible mistake, what you're doing, you're going to ruin everything, you're gonna, you, everything's going to go horribly wrong if you carry on the way you are. But you persist, you know, you go back, you go, <laughs> you keep... Um, getting stronger and, and better and you keep tackling these dungeons and every time the boss is telling you, you know, you don't know what you're doing, you're making a terrible mistake. If you uh, if you kill us, if you wake... Because the whole point of the game is, everyone's telling you, the only way off the island is to wake this thing called the windfish. Okay. Yeah. So that you don't really know what the windfish is, but... <laughs> I'm captivated by this because I've <laughs> never really played a Zelda Me game. neither, me neither. Well, I'm actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely enthralled. <clears throat> so you're basically, every time you beat a boss, you're, you're gathering an, in, an instrument. And you need all eight instruments to be able to uh, to wake the windfish, is what it's, it's this, all these things are saying. Anyway, all these bosses keep telling you that it's a terrible idea, you really shouldn't be doing this, you really shouldn't be doing this. <clears throat> and as you go along, gradually you get to this point um, where your guide, who is this owl, kind of tells you that the the reality of this island is it's it's it only exists in the windfish's mind. It's, it's a dream. It's the dream of the windfish. Where you exist currently is the windfish's dream. Yeah. And by killing the bosses, the bosses are basically there to stop the windfish from waking up. They're like the protectors of this island. You're gradually going around killing all these bosses and trying to wake the windfish, but you find out at this point that if you do that, everything on that island will cease to exist. So the girl who rescued you, her dad, all the villagers you've met, all of the, you know, there's like an animal village with all these cutesy sort of animals and things. <laughs> all of this stuff will cease to exist if you try and escape this island by waking the windfish. But of course, you know, it's a computer game and there's one yeah. linear path. And if you want to progress, you keep doing it. And you keep doing it, and eventually you get to the point where you you um, defeat the last boss. You go, you take your instruments. You play the the windfish's song, which is what one of the characters in in the game actually taught you. The girl who rescued you, she's she te she teaches you the song of the windfish. You know, again, Why? I guess in a sort of self sacrifice kind of way because she knows that it's the only way for Link to escape. Uh -huh. <clears throat> so Link goes. So I was going to say he's not <clears throat> in. He so he's the only real. Yeah, he kind of is the only outside the video game logic now. Cause, <laughs> but yeah. he, he existed before this, and I guess in, when he got shipwrecked, he kind of entered the realm of the windfish's mind. He kind of goes into like a coma. Like Neo at the beginning of the Matrix. Sure. Uh, mm. Revolutions. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he can exist outside of it. He doesn't really know, to be honest, because the... the the bosses in the game keep telling you they're like you're going to die as well if if you carry on where everything's going to die and everything's going to cease to exist yeah and they say it tell that including him but link kind of persists on because he wants to get back to Hyrule or wherever he's from and so what happens well exactly that he um you wake the windfish and then um basically the end cutscene is the song of the windfish kind of plays this melody um and you watch the island uh, disappear and so you, it cuts to shots of like um, like these there's like these two kids throwing a ball at each other that you've seen like the whole time through the game it cuts to the girl um, who's you know the, the yeah. sort of main girl and things yeah. and it cuts to just other places and all these places and they just kind of uh, fade and this is obviously it's not a Game Boy so like we're not talking like super <laughs> yeah. high diff visuals but you know to like 10 year old me it was like really poignant and I mm. played this game again recently like as in like two weeks ago I played it from start to finish and it's just it's such a great game and it's probably my, my favourite Zelda game 
and uh, the one that made me fall in love with the series. But just a really kind of interesting, poignant... Um, I want to play it. <laughs> it's made me want to play it, yeah. yeah. I love that sort of stuff with... Um, Oh yeah, nice. Yes. Um, I'll just finish on this. Um, <laughs> why I brought this, the Hyrule Historia, because it's got a really good explanation of it um, in this last paragraph. So it says, um, Link successfully gathered the instruments of the sirens. Standing before the egg in which the windfish slept, the hero was forced to make a bitter decision. The only traces of Cahillan Island's existence now remained in Link's memories, and the awakened windfish flew off into the sky. Though Link the hero had once rescued Hyrule, it came to pass that he was also responsible for the annihilation of the dream world. (laughs) (laughs) Full stop. It has got a final sentence. He set sail on another voyage and his further whereabouts are unknown. Wow. It's pretty deep stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, I like that. That, Dude, I've got to say, that's... Mm. Again, that's probably... Yeah, that's probably along the same lines as what we were discussing about Life is Strange, that you begin to like and love these people so much mm. and then you have to make some terrible decision about it. yeah i mean um, it's a i mean this as i say this game came out in 1993 and it's on a game writing so mm. it's it's a, it's a great idea for a game and presumably it was made for kids i guess you could say yeah well certainly you know it was all kids playing at my school and stuff and yeah it's just really interesting because before that i'd just been playing arcade games and things where you know, you you have good guys and bad guys, and then <laughs> good guys beat bad guys. That's it. There was no real story. Like the games I played growing up didn't really have any kind of story. No, like Double Dragon and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Just, like, yeah, someone punches your girlfriend around. in the stomach, and you yeah. go and beat the crap out of them. Out of a whole city. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> of like transvestites with little whips and things. You know. <laughs> so, <clears throat> I think we go back round again. This has been fun so far, um, and immediately what came to mind. Um, when thinking about this was the game I, I just put on the TV actually which is um, Spec Ops The Line which was uh, I'm unashamedly a fan of dumb action shooters um, and I picked up Spec Ops The Line because it was recommended to me and I didn't really know anything about it uh, and on the cover of it you believe it's probably going to be a dumb action shooter Yeah. what you get is something far far deeper than that uh, throughout the game, you make it's you, you, it's a linear path, but you are forced to make some dis, some very questionable decisions. Uh, there's one particular moment where you have access to this weapon that will just wipe out everyone you need to wipe out, but it's a horrific weapon that causes people to die in an agonising way. <clears throat> and throughout the whole th- game, you start making more and more questionable decisions. You start. Um, it really makes you feel when it's Call of Duty, you'll go through 300 people and you're like, they are bad guys. That's fine. (laughs) This guy isn't going to be emotionally scarred at all. Um, With this, you start to really feel the, you start to really feel the effects of, of the game as it goes on, as you're seeing people uh, hanging from uh, bridges um, and, and, and as you're killing people in questionable ways and you're, you're doing what you believe is best because you're trying to get to this one guy that you believe is the bad guy. Now, this is an older game, and I don't really want to spoil the ending again, but the ending will leave you feeling pretty cold about everything you've done. Including yourself. Including yourself, yeah. And and who you are. Oh, you played it as well? I have. Ah, I see. It's very good. I mean, the moment Dan's talking about where you have to choose whether or not to use the particular weapon ends yeah. up changing the entire lands- landscape of the next level you play. Yeah. Um, picking through the yes. corpses. And... Yeah, the burning corpses, basically, and yeah. you're walking through them. And it, do- it does something that... It, it came out at the height of probably... It was just after Modern Warfare 2, I want to say. It might have been Black Ops. But the, that kind of Call of Duty era of games... Um, and I'd imagine there was a lot of people picked it up expecting something similar to Call of Duty, uh, and what they got was something that was far more nourishing in terms of storyline, uh, and made you actually think about the actions that you were... Uh, it, I mean, it was good. Well, we've got it playing on yeah. a big TV, actually, just behind us, okay. and um, there's, uh, I think it's, what are we watching? Is this like a Let's Play? No, this is the, the just the, yeah. It's or is this the, like a Gamepro trailer? Yeah, yeah. 
yeah. so it's like the, so basically what we're watching is the first few uh, minutes yeah. of it uh, and that moment where you look out over Dubai as it is in this game mm. covered in sand by one of the biggest sandstorms yeah I mean it's it's sort of based on the whole heart of darkness story isn't yes. it from yeah, yeah, the yeah. Vietnam War like uh, same with like Apocalypse Now like Colonel Kurtz and you know Renegade uh, Spec Ops uh, people staying behind the lines you know, becoming the enemy and and all that sort of stuff. It's uh, it is. It's a very good. It's a very good um, kind of descent into one man's mind, really, isn't it? It's a bit. Yeah, you think you you think from the first few missions that you're playing a dumb shooter. Yeah, just like any other, admittedly a third person shooter, but and, yeah, and it's so much more than that. If you ignore the story, it is kind of just a shooter, but. It is, but it's one of those ones, it's one of those shooters, it's kind of like um, Modern Warfare 2, yeah. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, where I, it was actually one of those games that I was playing to get to the next cutscene to develop the story, yeah. um, and you know, the gameplay for me was definitely not why I was playing it, because, yeah, it, I mean, yeah, like you say, it's just a normal sort of third person shooter, same thing, cover mechanics, oh look at me, I'm hiding behind a car... Um, oh, that grenade went off in front of the car, but I'm okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not real. <laughs> That's not what would happen. It would take your face off. <laughs> um, but yeah, it is. It's compelling. It's a very compelling story. As military shooters go, it's probably one of the more intelligent ones out there, I would say. Yeah, it's... it's it's um, it, For me, it's a shame that Jaeger were taken off of Dead Island 2, who made this game. You know, as we immediately snap to exactly know exactly who made it, um, <laughs> because they could have done something I think quite interesting with a zombie apocalypse game that that would almost certainly just become another zombie apocalypse game. But yeah, yeah. Uh, any more for any more? Yeah. So I I wanted to talk about Shadow of the Colossus. Uh, do you know I was going to give this a name drop purely because I knew someone was going to say you didn't mention Shadow of the Colossus yeah well see I wanted I wanted to put this in and I wanted to put it in mainly because of the moment where the horse dies to save your life your faithful trusty horse I think you're thinking of a never ending story no that's no, it's. Um, I haven't actually played it, by the way. I just know the um, the the aggro the horse, the, the twist or the end. Or the, oh yeah, well the yeah. yeah the twist at the end. Yes. Spoiler alert: If you haven't played Shadow of the Colossus, <laughs> uh, it's very questionable as to the motives of your character, apart from believing that the right way to save your girlfriend from dying is by killing these massive hulking, well, the titular Colossus, um, and then. Well, you find out that it was all wrong. Mm. <laughs> um, and I, I tell you what, as emotional moments go, it's... Okay, I, I pick the moment where the horse saves your life at the expense of its own, purely because it's the one standout gut-wrench moment in that game, because, I don't know, your horse is a vital part of your quest. I mean, you you hold your... You, you know, you ride your horse across these massive plains and landscapes, and you're holding your sword up, and... Whichever direction the the sword lights up in is the one you follow, and you you head towards them, and you eventually stumble across one of these colossi. I guess colossi. <laughs> I love I love Lexi. Um, Colossus, colossi, um, and um, you and you know it's then your job to climb up it in such a way that you you know so you don't fall off, and eventually get it in you know stab your sword into its weak spot and eventually kill it. So. But you're led to... I mean, maybe that's the whole point of it. You know, it is quite an emotional game because actually the pitiful moans and screams of the Colossi... Colo- mm. <laughs> Every time I say Colossi, I see... Yeah, voodoo. I'll smell it. Yeah. <laughs> Might make mine unleaded. What's that mean? I don't know. Yeah, is, it Col- is it Colossi? Is it Colossuses? Colossi- Colossi- I think it's there. You know, that's a Colossus. Yeah. Those are Colossi. Yeah, that's fair enough. So I'm going to say, when, <laughs> the, the screams of the Colossi as you kill them yeah. kind of makes you realise that that you know, it's one of those, is my girlfriend worth this? <laughs> you know you know what I mean? It's like, is is she worth this? Because I'm, I'm going around killing these obviously incredible examples of life. <laughs> you know, these are big rock and, and vine formations that are, that are alive, you know, and they're 
you know, some of them fly, some of them walk, and they stamp, and the ground shakes under their feet, but they're clearly alive. Mm. Um, and you're just slaughtering them in because someone told you that if you do, your girlfriend's going to live. Um, so, you know, there's that whole other sort of element of the story. But the horse dying is sad because it's been a faithful companion of yours throughout the entire game, and mm. there's a bit where you're you're running across a bridge and, and then it crumbles away, and then poor poor old horsey throws you off at the last minute so that you can live and it dies. Hmm. You know, and it's a Darth Vader no moment. <laughs> no! <laughs> that's, that's it, that's it. That's all, that's all she wrote on Shadow of the Colossi for me. If you guys haven't played it, there's not really much to... <coughs> Never played it, no. <laughs> I haven't played it, but I know of it, and I, yeah, I'd heard that it's a, you know, an emotional kind of ending, an emotional twist at the end. It is. And, uh, yeah. Manipulative. Imagine, it's a shame I found that out before playing it, because... Hmm. Although I didn't get to experience it at least anyway, because the chance I'm never going to play it now because it's a PlayStation 2 game. So, <laughs> so look out. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you want to blow off your scart lead. <laughs> <laughs> so, any more, Sean? Perhaps later. Um, no, I was going to give an honourable mention to uh, Dark Souls. Um, there's a couple of aspects in, in that game. I mean, it's just such a fantastic atmosphere that's. Um, that they managed to create in that game from software they managed to create and if, if either of you played it do either of you know of it or? Um, I tried playing it okay yeah and I gave up quick, pretty quickly which for me says that Dark Souls probably isn't the game for me because mm. from what I understand you've just got to keep yeah it's, yeah, it's yeah. definitely persistence is the key to Dark Souls but the um, now the lore is all kind of all over the place and yeah. you know you really need to go and read up on Wikipedia and there's like YouTube channels to kind of explain a lot of the lore and stuff but nevertheless I mean you the the whole world is kind of a very depressing place and everybody in it is slowly losing their mind mm. and the term is c- called going hollow and, and you, basically it, it almost means just like forgetting who you are and you lose your humanity what makes you a human and you become a husk and so the, the things that you're um killing along the way all these kind of weird zombies they were people once but they're people who've gone completely hollow so they've completely forgotten who they are their past their memories and all that they know now is just how to swing a blade and that's it they 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 kind of thirst for human life basically Mm. and along your, your journey you meet various different characters who aren't you know, completely hollow, but are, are kind of you can tell they're sort of they talk like in a they're in a dreamlike state. And they, um, the voice acting is fantastic. It's got just such a, like an eerie quality. It's, it just works really well. But so the, well, I think one of the first people you meet is like the crestfallen warrior, and you know his name is, is enough to tell you like his character, which is just you know he's just lost all hope, hmm. and he's just he sits there by the campfire, and you know it's it's all over as far as he's concerned. Anyway, you get to a certain point in the game and you meet this guy um, called Solaire. Now, Solaire is just like this bizarre, um, jolly character that comes out of nowhere <laughs> in Dark Souls. And he, you'll have heard the mem like, praise the sun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's his, that's him. Solaire <laughs> is the guy who praises the sun and he's on this eternal quest to find his own son. Yeah. As in S-O-N, not... Yeah, uh, well, as in, no, sorry, S U N, not S O N. Yeah, and so he is basically on this search, and he's so jolly about it. And he, you know, he's he comes up with the phrase "jolly cooperation," and you know, he talks <laughs> to you, and he offers you all this assistance and help, and like, you know, he hopes you do well, and like, so you know, he's so cheery and chirpy. And anyway, as the game goes on, you encounter him more and more times, and you get to know him. There comes a certain point in the game where. If you got a particular item, his fate goes one way, and if you didn't, his fate goes another way. And I found that out before it happened, and I'd like de- developed such an attachment to him. I went well out of my way in in Dark Souls to make sure I got this <laughs> attachment because I I desperately wanted him to go one particular path, you know. Mm. And it's just strange. I like games can do that to you it's just yeah. like it's just you know pixels and sprites and things but i was absolutely desperate that i i wanted his uh story to, to end up in in one particular place and yeah it's funny it. you say that because <clears throat> there's a few points in in games like mass effect yeah where having 
a certain item will trigger just a little something and make someone happy. Like, actually, Deus Ex, Human Revolution, Megan's Bracelet. Find, finding Megan... Do you know? Have you played, I, I, I played st- once again, I started playing it, I never really got it. it. It'll mean something more to probably people yeah. listening if you've played Human Revolution. Finding Megan's Bracelet. Megan is your girlfriend. Actually, do you know what? At that point, it's, it's there's no spoiler. Okay, yeah. so you you play a guy called Adam Jensen, security guy for this big firm called Sarif, and an ex girlfriend of yours called Megan is um, is one of the chief scientists there. And on what feels like you know just sort of any normal day, uh, a bunch of uh, augmented mercenaries uh, burst in, almost kill you, and uh, it's believed kill uh, you know kill her basically as well. And when you you awake after your horrific injuries, you find that you've been augmented yourself and you're now this mechanical augmented agent who can do all sorts of crazy stuff and you walk out of your office and Megan's mum is sitting there outside and she goes to you, Adam, you know, I know, you know, you weren't with her, but, you know, please help me. I, I, I don't believe she's dead. I really want some closure. They said they had more information. The cops said they had more information, but I didn't find anything out. Anyway... <clears throat> it's one of the most ball achy missions in the in the whole game that you don't even have to do to get into the police station and stuff like that. But eventually you can get into the police station, find a key code, go back outside, go to a, an evidence storage locker, um, open it up and you can find her bracelet and reports that show that the body that they thought was Megan, spoiler alert, might not have been Megan's body hmm. that they found in the, in the factory. Um... Shit, you've just bought. I'm going to plug in my ears at some point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's, it's quite it's quite in the game, right? And, and you, you can go right out of your way to do it and stuff if you want to, and then you can give it back to her. And giving it back to the mum not only lets you a good achievement and a good bit of feel good award, but it is also mentioned um, later in the game uh, at a key moment that makes you feel even better about yourself. Mm. And stuff, and I completely forgot that you just bought <laughs> Human Revolution. I'm so sorry for anyone who's missed that. Sean's just bought Human Revolution, and I completely forgot. And he told us about it. He told us about it very many times. I completely forgot about it. I feel terrible. No, it's fine. And I'm going to go and flagellate myself. <laughs> it's fine. Um, and then wipe myself down. <laughs> going back to Mass Effect, there was a few moments in Mass Effect Three uh, that that I found. Uh, Holding back the tears a little bit, uh, Morden. Um, oh, solace. Well, yeah, yeah. only if. Yes. Yeah. But. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, Thane as well. Yeah. Thane. Those two in particular. Those moments in that one game. Uh, much more emotional than the ending. <laughs> but uh, yeah, absolutely great. Well, talking of endings, actually, the yeah. endings of Dark Souls. Again, sorry to go yeah. back to Dark Souls, but. The, the you love it so much, why don't you just marry yeah, it? I do, I really fucking love it. <laughs> I haven't loved the game as much as I've loved um, Dark Souls for like, you know, ten years or something. Yeah, it was it's so good. Wow. If you haven't like played through it, it's it's brilliant. But um the end of the just game is really incredible because again, like you you've um fought so hard to get to the end of that game. Yeah. And every Bo- you know the, the bosses in Dark Souls are famous, aren't they? Mm. They're, they're notorious for their epicness, for their grandeur, for their terrifying, twisted, gruesome, uh, um, and the, you know the music usually is bombastic, <coughs> big orchestral, bump bump. You know, like proper Saturday night. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you've got it. Yeah, yeah. 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 Wickfield. Yeah, yeah. No, super kind of usually kind of either really eerie and creepy or really high tempo kind of orchestral stuff really good the the final boss in that game yeah. it reduces it right down to this haunting um melodic kind of it's, it's kind of like a bittersweet sounding uh, piano it's just the a piano and that's it and it just plays over the top of this boss fight and it's so kind of bizarre this kind of feeling of you're in this inc- really intense last stretch, just got to get through this while this just haunting kind of um, bittersweet music's playing over mm. the top of it. And it's just, to me, that was just like such a kind of, again, like a poignant ending to a game. Just really took me by surprise. 
Um, and just, yeah, definitely had like a, an emotional kind of right. weird impact to me. But yeah, great game. Again, probably another thing that I should play. Yeah, I, I might try again. That's, the the, you, the difficulty is, is overrated massively. Yeah. It's not that difficult a game. It's all about... if th- There's always ways to cheese Dark Souls. Like, a, to me, a difficult game, like original like NES games. Mm. You know, they're hard because they require absolute precise... You know, jump now, yeah. kill this. You, yeah. you must be like picture perfect the whole time you're playing it. You're trying to get a routine down, basically, to nail it every time. Dark Souls isn't like that. You can make your sword like ridiculously overpowered. You can um, build up your stamina so you can wear like you know ridiculously tough armor, and you know so you can kind of farm it because you've got XP because there's armor because there's all this stuff you can cheese it and there's also usually a way to kind of defeat bosses without having to really tackle them you know mm. the legit way so yeah it's definitely exaggerated because I've completed Dark Souls 1 and 2 and they ain't all that <laughs> <laughs> oh man big words <laughs> so should we do a, a quick fire round and a few extras then I think so uh Honourable mentions. Yeah, so Walking Dead has to be mentioned. Yeah, uh, Lee's death. Yeah, spoilers. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but yes, if you haven't if you haven't played Walking Dead. I think that's the thing, isn't it? So if, if there are ever any memes created about us I'm just gonna be the dickhead with the with the spoiler alert on my forehead, aren't I? It, you should have played Walking Dead by now anyway, it's amazing. So yeah, Lee's death, definitely. Uh, that's the one that, that kind of sticks in my throat and or his not death maybe he doesn't <laughs> yeah no that is good and it's well played um, <laughs> do you know what as much as I expected it mm. I didn't expect it yeah yeah for when it finally happened and, and and his actions leading up to his death as well yeah it's 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 yeah that's really sad the moment he gets bit yeah Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he. I mean, come on. It's a zombie game. He's going to die yeah. by a zombie. No, it's good. That is good. I um, say that is anyone good. get? Um, well, it depends on whether you fail the torture sequence or not. But did anyone let Meryl die in Metal Gear Solid? The original Metal Gear Solid. No, well, I never. I know. PS One Metal Gear Solid. No, no. just me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> Moving on quickly. <laughs> Why? What happens if you let her die? Well, if she dies, it's just kind of sad. <laughs> yeah, but, but you're the one that knows you could have stepped in at any point. No, you don't know that that consequence. So there's a, a scene in it where Liquid's... I think it's Liquid or Ocelark, I remember or both maybe. They're torturing you and you've got to mash the circle button as fast as you can to um, to resist the torture. And it's got like a few... It, it goes through a few scenes where you it gets harder and harder and you've got literally you know if you had a turbo button back in the day then it was like a piece of piss you just hold down yeah. circle <laughs> switch the turbo button on and you were, you were sorted but otherwise it was genuinely quite tough to like sit there mashing away at this circle button yeah and um, if you f- if you pass it then she survives and if you fail it she dies and you don't you know it, it, it's not explicit like that it's not like oh if you fail this we're going to kill Meryl it's just at it's a later point in the game it happens Oh, they so what I mean? So it's like a kind oh, of she died. butterfly effect kind of thing. Mm. But you know, it was just sad because again, it was one of the first sort of cinematic games. Yeah, yeah. the original Metal Gear Solid. It was definitely with, one of the, the with first a, with cinematic games I played. With a character based on Michael Beam, Escape from isn't who? it? Like with no, with the, sorry, with the, the box art of Metal Gear Solid was based on a picture of Michael Bean. Michael Bean. Who the hell's Michael Bean? The guy that plays Carl Reese. In Terminator. Oh, really? Yeah, and uh, Hicks in Aliens. Oh, no, you're thinking of the, the NES one, I think. NES? Oh. Yeah, well, the... There's Sorry. The, the, there's, <laughs> uh, Metal Gear, there's Metal Gear. Um, the original series does go way back, and the cover art you're thinking of, I'm sure, is is the one to the NES game, and it, I can't remember it was on like, the PC Engine or something. Wow. Some weird, obscure Japanese console. In case um, you didn't listen to the first podcast, uh, Sean is our resident Nintendo uh, well, this is so fanboy. Yeah, well, I guess the NES one you were talking about. And also a veritable um, almanac of all things that has... I mean, you, well, I think you the, the difference is, I guess, I'm, I've always been a console gamer. Yeah. And you I would, are kind of... You do play consoles, but you're more of a PC gamer. Yeah, I, I admire its flexibility. And it's certainly like a... 
from a background point is of view. It's the most pretentious thing I've said. <laughs> <laughs> what from, a dick. From a background point of view, I guess, like, your, ref- a lot more, your references are going to be in, like, PC kind mm. of stuff. Whereas, yeah, but the, the, well, Snake is obviously from, lifted straight out of Escape from LA and Escape from New York. His name is Snake. 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 He's got yeah. yeah. literally just, like, they yoinked him out of that universe and it's just like, God, get in our game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just sandwich him in. Yeah. So, any more for any more? No, I think I'm more. Like... I I did make a few notes. I got to say, I um I bought a stack of um, leather notebooks from a bookshop uh, a long time ago, and um, I'm still going through them. In the fact that this is the first one I've started opening and, and making notes in, I I, di- I did write some other stuff down. Silent Hill Two. I played the first one. I haven't mm. played the second one. The when you find out the truth about James, about what he did, about okay. why he's in Silent Hill. Whoa. I think I think um, video spoilers. game statute of limitations is in full effect here. I think well, I think we can talk about what happens in Silent Hill too. Yeah. So yeah. So still, you find I out. Do, I do still have. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, yeah. like, still go for it. Do you still want to? If you want to play it, Silent Hill Two is one of those games mm. that I I I I'm again, and I'm going to bring zero punctuation in again. Um, ben Croshaw says that it's. One of those games that he goes back to to play every now and then to mm. remind himself that gaming as a medium is still worth <laughs> in, investing yeah, yourself yeah, in. Yeah. And I, I, I'm exactly the same. I still play it to this day. Really? Um, I have several different versions of it, you know, on the PC and on, on, the, on the PlayStation as well. Mm. And it's just very tense. It's very good at building atmosphere. And... Like all the other Silent Hill games, the combat is a bit shit, but it's not about the combat. Mm. The fact is that, you know, you are playing someone who comes from a relatively ordinary background, and if you were actually good at combat, it would make... You're talking my language. Yeah, like, it's very yeah. good. You feel tense, and it's also got great characters, and, and Silent Hill as a city, uh, sorry, as a, as a sort of a town, is mm. a lot more scary and a lot more alive Pyramid Head makes its first appearance in that game, and in fact, actually, she probably should have never appeared in any other games <laughs> because actually, Pyramid Head is revealed to be a a key part of of James's version of Silent Hill because okay. I've always I've always kind of thought that Silent Hill is is always about what you as an individual see, your, not your own fears you, kind of you, thing. you know <clears throat> the people that you meet in Silent Hill who are also in Silent Hill aren't mm. necessarily seeing the same things that you are. Mm. Um, I'd probably say Silent Hill 2 as well for the abstract daddy boss fight and the um, the girl whose name escapes me uh, just for the moment. Um, I think it's Angela. Angela Orozco? Angela? I think it's Angela. Uh, you know, terribly abused by family members and in Silent Hill trying to find her mother. Um, and... Uh, the boss fight is basically an abstract is kind of a, a representation of the of the abuse that she suffered at the hands of her of her family members mm. um kind of that you end up fighting and and destroying and and things like that and you know that's that's sad maria and mary um M- maria is a hypersexualized version of james's wife who has said, meet me in Silent Hill in our special place, although the fact is that she's been dead for three years, which is kind of what sets up the whole story. Isn't okay. it? Even though she's dead, she's written you a letter that says, meet me in our ah, special okay. place in Silent Hill. Um, and James doesn't actually meet Mary until sort of the end of the game, but he does meet Maria, who's like this hypersexualized version of her. and It's just a, it's just a head fuck from yeah. start to finish, the whole game. Anyway, brilliant. emotional broadcaster, brilliant, play it. No, it's really, it, really good, really, really good. Yeah. I put Deus Ex, the first one, in there, just to say that your brother, Paul Denton, who is another augmented agent like you, JC Denton, in, the, in Deus Ex, this is for PC gamers, you'll know what I mean. Some of you will go through the whole thing going, oh, I can't believe my brother died. Some of you are going to go through the whole of the game going, oh, it was awesome, I managed to save my brother um, from that thing in the hotel room. <laughs> through the whole Either game. Way, yeah, through the Amazing. whole game, love it. Um, I also put Assassin's Creed 2 in here just for that moment after Ezio's family's been murdered, mm. and that scene where he uh, takes on his first assignment, which is kind of a personal thing to, for the guy that he thinks set up his family. Yeah. And, you know, playing the other Assassin's Creed games, you're very used to sort of quiet kills. 
Whereas this is basically Ezio massacres this person. He literally stabs him multiple mm. yeah, times, yeah, 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 yeah. violently screaming as he does, and then you know turns around saying, "I've I've survived. You know, my whole family's been killed, but I'm still here. I'm still alive. You couldn't get me." Um, and I found that quite emotional, and it kind of set you up on that revenge story of like, "Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring these people to justice," and then finally, I'm gonna stop talking in a minute because <laughs> my throat's going dry. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. Now, not necessarily the most emotional roller coaster of games. This, this was before Press X to pay your respects, wasn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. The No Russian mission, yeah. I think, deserves mention because it puts you in the, in the shoes of someone killing an awful lot of civilians in an airport. Yes. Not that you have to, but it, it does put you in the shoes of someone who has to watch these things happening and you see a lot of things that don't look nice like people clutching their sides bleeding while mm. they're walking across, you know kind of crawl across the floor and ah oh, it's just it's just horrible um i'd say the final fight is quite emotional with that general who you yeah. suddenly discovers to portray your old team and the cliffhanger ending wondering yeah. whether soap's going to live or die i remember at the end of it going Oh, wait, I don't really want to play Modern Warfare 3. Yeah. And then having to wait for two years and then being really disappointed. Yeah, three. That was emotional. Three two, was a bit wank. Two might be the game that I've put the, including multiplayer, put the most time into. I think I put about two weeks worth of just solid Call yeah. of Duty into that. That game is, that game was the pinnacle of army shooters, wasn't it? That, oh, it was brilliant. That was the last re- really good one. That was, and then it, just, and it had those brilliant uh, missions that you could play co-op on split screen. Yes. Like, like the one with uh, where you were the snipers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the ghillie suits in Chernobyl from the from the original Modern Warfare. Which is the best mission Which on Modern Warfare. Which is the best mission of yeah, all yeah. Modern Warfare, yeah. Absolutely marvellous. I've got a couple more to add. Um, <laughs> just different emotions. Uh, Resident Evil 4 will always sit with me as a game that I played with friends. Uh, I lived with two of my friends at the time, um, and we. My friend came home clutching Resident Evil Four. We put it in, uh, and we must have completed it together. Three of us sitting on a sofa together. Must have completed it three or four times because we wanted Ashley to have the suit of armor, and we wanted Leon S. Kennedy <laughs> to be dressed like a gangster with a Tommy oh, gun. Yeah. <laughs> with a Tommy, and he throw, just so we could see him because we were like, he throws a hat in the air. We need to see that. But, <laughs> but the time we put into that involved. Uh, random days off between two of us, ordering a pizza to the house, not changing, getting changed out of pyjamas, st- just waking up in the morning, starting playing it, then the other friend coming home from work, him sitting down immediately, just grabbing a slice of pizza and just just working our way through Resident Evil 4, screaming at times because it's quite scary, but oh, the fact that yeah. one of us would scream would set the other two off. The, um, the regenerators in that game. Oh my the god! Regenerators? The oh. ones where you you need the the scope. The things that do the weird breathing. Oh. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. it's hideous. Like you just hear them first, and then <clears throat> oh, and they're so difficult to kill as well because you've got to get that awkward um, like infrared or something. Don't yeah, you? Yeah. So you have to see their weak points. Yeah, yeah. So you yeah. can snipe the um, the specific points. Man, alive! Those things are terrifying. Oh, yeah. The ones oh, they call the spiky. They're, they're yeah. kind of they're a bit like the Pan's Labyrinth creepy thing yeah yeah and yeah they move horrifically yeah. awfully and later on I think that you get ones called the variation called the Iron Maidens which hug you like yes. really close they get you really close and then they um, they let out a load of spikes yeah they kind of go Pfft. you know like that there's a scene in um, one of the X-Men's as well with a guy with that apparently like a puffer fish yeah yeah so they kind of pop out a load of spikes but they hug you in really close and then do it it's like oh, it's horrific and it's everything down to like f- Blade Sword does that doesn't it yeah yeah if, if you grab it here yeah, yeah, oh, really? okay. yeah. <laughs> Um, everything down to I was reading that if you shoot into the water five times uh, the giant fish comes and eats you and one of our mates being in the toilet at the time and not telling him just go, just go up to the water Just we need some fish so just, just shoot those fish and then shooting five times and seeing him jump out of his skin as the giant fish comes and eats it <laughs> um, I didn't know that that was kind of cool and the, the fight with Krauser in that as well the knife fight. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's all, it's all uh, quick time events, but it was quite mm. fun. Just, it, it was, it, it was fun to just sit down with a couple of friends, just pass the controller down. And I think we've all done it. I had the similar experience with Times Plus 2 as well, where we had the iLink for PS2s. So we had two PS2s, two televisions opposite each other. One shot kills with just sniper rifles. Nice. And, we've, and no time limit. 
and we were sitting there with a bottle of whiskey, passing a bottle of whiskey around, just waiting for one person to try and move. And as soon as one person moved, they'd get shot. And it, we, we were up till four o'clock in the morning, just playing time splitters, just one level of time splitters. Uh, another one quickly before we move on, and we should move on. Uh, South Park, uh, very different emotion. I haven't laughed that hard at a game in my life. Have you played yeah, it? It's very funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. There's, just, there's several very very funny scenes. Genuine, the the uh, is it the underpants nose? <laughs> yeah, the yeah. underpants nose is very good. Just and the fight you have with them is uh, one of the most hilarious moments in a video game I've I've ever experienced. Also, giving uh, Randy uh, an abortion. Yeah. Oh my god. Yes. Um, yeah. And accidentally sucking up like a ball, <laughs> like one of his <laughs> yeah. balls, and, and, and him actually going, "Oh, that's a ball." <laughs> like, <laughs> Especially because it's accompanied with a sound effect. <laughs> oh, that's a ball. <laughs> that, that game was not a game I was interested in until I watched someone playing it on Twitch. Mm. And I was like, I need to play this game. It's oh, cool. the power it's, of Twitch. Yeah, it's absolutely hilarious. Very good. But yeah, I think that's about it. Very nice. Cool. Good right. segment. Yes. So that was part one. Remember to subscribe. Uh, hit us up on Facebook, Twitter. And part two should be up in a few days. Thank you very much. Goodbye.